In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Welcome to Craig's List Podcast. Uh, this is Craig Kikowski and this, oh God, I'm here with my wife, Carla Kikowski. Carla Kikowski. And for the entire podcast today, we're going to talk like Kirk Douglas. Carly, are you in with me? Yep, I'm here. Okay, well, you're not doing your Kirk Douglas. Oh, I'm doing him now. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's really hard to do. It is. Uh, he's, he has a very specific voice that's hard to hard to capture. Yeah. Um, I can do Charlton Heston, who's of a similar era. I always confuse them. Do you? Mm-hmm. Kirk Douglas, I think, is a much better actor. I think you're right. But they're in a similar vein. And they... Like, I feel like I've seen a lot of black and white movies with them with their shirts off. <laughs> well, it's interesting <laughs> that you mentioned that <laughs> because I did read a, uh, I don't know if it was contractually obligated that Kirk Douglas had to be shown with his shirt off in every movie. Oh, really? But there is, like, it just <laughs> seems strange uh, that it pops up in this movie for no real reason other than that uh, Kirk Douglas liked taking his shirt off. But yeah. I think I think you're right. I think the main confusion is that Charlton Hess was Ben Hur and Kirk Douglas was Spartacus. Yeah, and they I came think out. That's what it is? They came mm-hmm. out. They were like swords and sandals epics around the same time. Oh, here comes Benny. Hi, Ben. Shaking his harness and making a lot of noise. <laughs> uh, hi, guys. Let me give you a real introduction, not as Kirk Douglas. This is Craig. This is Craig's list, and today is episode thirty-five, number sixty-six on Craig's list. The Stanley Kubrick 1957 anti-war film, I won't call it an epic because it's a short movie, Paths of Glory. Yep. And Carla, you, <laughs> Carla, you kind of watched this movie. I kind of did. Uh, I feel like you got a lot of work done. You got I some, did. <laughs> you got some emails answered. What? I replied to a lot of emails. That's great. I was pretty busy. Good for you. Oh, yeah. You were so busy. But I could still tell you exactly what happened in the movie. Really? Why don't you do the plot summary then of what happens in Paths of Glory? Okay. So it opens with this general who's like, Oh man, these men are so brave. We're going to kick some butt. Oh, and they're French, even though they sound like they're from New York. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, the whole movie takes place in World War One, uh, in the French army. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so they're in the, what's the thing called with the, you know, I the, need more information. In the pit. <laughs> they're in the pit. <laughs> the shooting. trenches. They're, they're in, in the, the trenches. trenches. Yeah. And then he goes up to Kirk Douglas, who's underneath him. Uh, what is he, an officer? Kirk Douglas is a colonel. He's Colonel Dax. Okay. He's a colonel and he's like, uh, we gotta keep pushing forward. We gotta go get these guys. And Kirk is like, my men are tired. And he's like, no, they're not. Don't mouth me, you sassy mouth man. Yeah, he says, don't mouth me, you sassy mouth man. <laughs> so, it's one of the most famous quotes from the, from this movie. Don't, uh, don't mouth, mouth actually, me. Actually, this sassy guy talks man. like, uh, 
like a guy from the theater, like in the forties, <laughs> where he's talking like this, and everyone else is talking differently. Anyways, um, then they go to war. It's a pretty cool battle sequence, actually. Okay. Um, but something happens where like the guys are they don't I forget why, but they don't want to go fight. Like they're tired or they know they're gonna die or something. <laughs> they're just a little sleepy. Well no, they're, they're like, a little they know tired. that it's a bad thing, like it's a bad battle, like that they're gonna lose. They're basically being sacrificed. Yes. Uh so they're like we don't want to do this. So anyways, then the general guy gets real mad and he's like, we got to punish someone. And then they talk to the guy above the general. Oh, this is so boring. The super general. The super general. And he's like, we'll just pick three people from each of the regiments. Right? Uh, there's three companies. So you just pick one guy from each company for a total yeah. of three guys. And, and they'll be like, they'll be the, you know... Uh, what's the word? <laughs> They'll be the ones that we blame to show the other guys, like, you can't do this. They'll be the example. Okay. They're going to be executed for cowardice. Yeah. But they go on trial first. Okay. And Kirk Douglas defends them. Because in addition to being a colonel, he's also a lawyer. Yeah. And he feels bad for them. And he's like, this wasn't their fault. <sighs> so then he defends them, but they lose. And it's really sad because they know they're going to die. And then they get put in front of the firing squad. And one of them screaming and crying, and the other one's like "fuck you," but he doesn't say the <laughs> f word. And then there's because it's 1957. It's 19- and then the third guy is like uh, sick and like barely conscious, anyways, right? Well, he gets punched out and bangs his head against the wall, yeah, and loses consciousness. Yeah. yeah. So they get shot and killed, and then <sighs> Kirk Douglas tells on the general because the general was having his own men fire on themselves if they weren't moving forward in the battle. Correct. So then the super general's like, <laughs> you got to go on trial now, general. And the general's to Kurt Douglas like, you backstabbing bitch. And <laughs> he, It's a real cat fight. Yeah. yeah he goes, he's going to be on trial. And then the super general to Kirk Douglas is like, now you're going to do his job. And Kirk Douglas is like, no, I've got uh, morals. I'm an ethical human being and I don't won his job and then the very end scene is they have to go back to battle and he's uh he's uh gonna get his men ready to go back to battle (laughs) (laughs) well i think you're you're skipping some key subtleties and nuances of paths of glory but that is basically some of the plot points but for somebody who answered probably 15 emails during this this movie like that's pretty good knowing what was going on you picked up on a fair amount of it considering you were barely looking at the screen (laughs) (laughs) that's to be fair though for the first half hour i waited a half hour before i picked up my computer okay i did Okay, and that's the agreement that yeah. is you have to watch a third of the movie right. to qualify as a watch. Yes, yeah, so I just want to make it clear that I'm still doing my duty because I have morals and ethics. Okay, as well you're just as Kirk like Douglas. you're just like Colonel Dax yeah. in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so you're likening you having to watch a movie a week for a podcast to a colonel having to lead his uh, troops on a fruitless battle in trench warfare. In in fantasy land, in movie time. <laughs> yes, that's exactly the same thing. Uh, so I, I think we'll get a little more in depth into it, but, uh, but Carla, that's Can't a, wait. that's a pretty good <laughs> summation. Uh, were you familiar with Paths of Glory at all? Not at all. Never heard of it? No, I don't, maybe. 
It doesn't okay. ring a bell. Yeah. I kind of knew going into this, this is not going to be one that's up Carla's alley. Nope. Uh, because it's a war film. It's an old movie. There's no female characters. There is one woman who plays a important role at the end, but... Really? Yeah. I missed that part. You missed the part where she sings to them? Yeah, I don't remember Oh, that. it's the most famous scene from the movie. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a German prisoner who uh, she sings a German folk song to all these French soldiers. Who are about who, to die. Who are, who are kind of hooting and hollering at her. Um, and she kind of moves and tames them. You should go back and watch that scene. Meh. <laughs> Uh, well, I first saw this movie when I was in high school. Uh, my friend Andrew and I, who I've talked about before, we were working our way through the great films of history and being a big fan of Stanley Kubrick from uh, 2001 and Dr. Strangelove. You're already yawning, Carla. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just went to the gym. I'm so tired. I went to the gym as well. <laughs> And I am pumped up and ready to do this podcast today. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll drink some coffee. <laughs> but uh, not only is this an early masterpiece from uh, Kubrick, this is one of those movies uh, that makes me viscerally angry uh, because it's about injustice and it's about the ways that uh, our institutions fail us and the absurdities of war and these generals who live in this fancy mansion are sending these regular guys uh, to certain death and they're just kind of pawns in the game. Uh, and so there had been anti-war films before this, uh, but nothing that was as brutal and uh, unsparing in its depictment of war. I mean, this is only 12 years after World War II, where most war films would be very kind of jingoistic at the time, or even if they kind of show how brutal battle would be, it'd still be about heroism. Mm -hmm. And uh, the generals are real villains in this movie. And despite Kirk Douglas kind of being the Hollywood star, uh, who, you know, you would expect there's going to be a last minute reprieve for these three condemned prisoners because, uh, one of them is really just getting punished by his, uh, by the lieutenant who chose him because, uh, he saw the lieutenant being cowardly. Mm. Uh, another guy was kind of chosen because he was a social undesirable, whatever that means. And another guy was chosen randomly by lottery. <laughs> so they're supposed to represent the entire each of their entire companies who were cowardly in this battle uh, and yet they're executed. And despite Kirk Douglas making a uh, great speech for them at the court martial, mm -hmm. uh, they just move ahead with the trial. And despite the fact that he's got this uh, information on Colonel Miro played by George McCready, who's the uh, kind of the villainous general who fired on his own troops, um, their lives are not spared. And so it's uh it's really a bummer yeah. <laughs> bummer ending. Uh but for somebody watching this in high school, I mean it's one of those movies that 
really encouraged me to mistrust authority and mm-hmm. don't place your faith in institutions. And it certainly made me never want to go to war. Right. That's for sure. Um, I had to register for the draft when I was around the age that I watched the movie. What? Yeah. I don't know if they still do that now. Or do teenagers have to register for the draft? I don't think so. Uh, I could be wrong. Maybe it's it's just something that happens when you get your driver's license or something. Uh, I mean, we haven't had the draft in 45 years or, right. or whatever since Vietnam. Uh, but you still had to register at the time in case they decided to reinstate cray, it. Cray, Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, we need to look that up. <laughs> Fact check. Well, I know in 1986 or 7 that I had to. Or when you turn 18, I think is, is what it was. Okay. Yeah. Um. But I remember, and you know, this is during the the Cold War, and we were uh, worried about nuclear holocaust all the time, as, as opposed to <laughs> the beautiful times we live in now, where we're not worried about that at all. Oh, God. Uh, and I remember talking with my friends about what would happen if we got drafted. I mean, and it's absurd because you know we never came close to yeah happening and it's not what our fathers had to deal with and our grandfathers certainly you know with world war ii and uh right vietnam but uh i i remember me and my friends talking about moving to canada if it, if it would happen oh my god you know? uh so i think it still like made me viscerally angry watching it again while also uh, appreciative of what a fantastic filmmaker Kubrick is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the deep focus photography, uh, at the time is just unbelievable. Like the, the Benny snoring on my lap, by the way. <laughs> I've put Benny to sleep. <laughs> He's just laying here <laughs> snoring on my lap. Uh, but the the trench battle scene where we, you kind of follow uh, Kirk Douglas as the line kind of moves forward and they're just getting bombarded and it's they're supposed to take the ant hill, uh, which is you know at, at the beginning there's uh, a little prelude we kind of explaining what the trench warfare of World War One uh, was like, which was these troops uh, kind of digging into these trenches who were just a couple hundred yards away from each other with no man's land in between. And you would just make these tiny advancements and get beaten back. And it was just an absurd battle where, uh, men were just kind of served up, uh, to slaughter mm. every day. I mean, it was the, it was ridiculous, the loss of life and, uh, sad. <laughs> it's sad. Uh, this was Kubrick's first studio movie. He had been an independent filmmaker before this. He had made a movie, The Killing, the previous year that had been distributed by United Artists, which is a great movie and uh, close to making Craigslist. Who's in that one? Uh, Charlton Heston? Charlton Heston is not in that. Sterling Hayden is in that. Sterling Cooper? Uh, yeah, Sterling Cooper, the uh, the <laughs> fake advertising firm, is the star of The Killing. Uh, but The Killing, very influential on Tarantino. Uh, it's a heist movie. And uh, a couple of the actors are in this movie as well. Uh, but Kirk Douglas read the uh, the script for Paths of Glory, which was co-written by uh, Jim Thompson. The uh, uh, He's kind of a film noir writer. 
Mm-hmm. Or he wrote uh, Pulp Fiction, basically. Uh, he wrote The Killer Inside Me. And uh, Calder Willingham, who, in addition to writing Paths of Glory, wrote The Graduate, wow. which is a movie that we'll be uh, covering later. So they kind of co-wrote Spoiler. that with uh, Kubrick. And so Kirk Douglas was a star big enough to get this film made in 1957 and got a modest budget for it. And then later, Kirk Douglas, who had worked with Kubrick on this movie, uh, when they fired the director for Spartacus, Kubrick came in and finished uh, Spartacus for mm. Kirk Douglas. Cool. Uh, well, let's get into some... Pro- <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh, it, it's hard for me watching this movie in 2017... The general, uh, George McCready, who, as you mentioned, is very Shakespearean. He's like, we're going to take that anthill yeah. and these men are cowards. Uh, it just doesn't fit. <laughs> well, I kind of like that there's a lot of different acting styles in it, that he's very Shakespearean. Adolf Manjou, who plays General Brulard, who's kind of the head general, was an old Hollywood star. Like he was a dashing star in like the 1930s. And so he's an older guy here. And, uh, and he's could not be more like pleasant and upbeat, mm-hmm. you know. And he's just sitting there in the mansion the whole time, like he's getting nowhere near the the battlefield. And so he also re- doesn't go to the trial. He's like, yeah, you guys can. Take yeah, care he's of like, it. I'm going to skip out on that trial. <laughs> like, you got this. Yeah. Uh, so it really points out that these were battles being uh, determined by aristocrats who were nowhere near getting their hands dirty. But he kind of talks. Feels in- relevant. Yes. Uh, he kind of talks in a very old Hollywood style. And then mm-hmm. Kirk Douglas, like not, he's kind of part of the transition period between the studio system and the method acting era, you know. Um, what was that dialect that, uh, old timey actors had to learn? <laughs> like Catherine Hepburn. It's like mid Atlantic. Yeah. Something? The mid Atlantic accent, which isn't even a thing. Right, isn't it just it like was a never, made-up thing? It was never a real accent, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of based on slightly English and slightly New England mm-hmm. uh, with proper diction the whole time. So it was what these actors were trained in beginning in the 1930s when the, the talkies started to come in and that just kind of became the, the standard dialect. Uh, so Adolf Manju is kind of like would be from that era. Right, yeah, and he sounds uh, like it. And then, so Kirk Douglas is a little grittier and a mm-hmm. little more real. And then, uh, later I think you mentioned that the, the three condemned men, it's a corporal and two privates, like that they sounded like real and authentic. Yeah. And all- those were the scenes where I was like, Oh, I can follow <clears throat> what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's not to say that I can't follow movies from the thirties when they're speaking like that, but this was just, it felt all over the place. Like the, the tone and style wasn't consistent. And I understand that that's something you like about it. And so I respectfully say that I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's intentional on Kubrick's part to cast these different actors with drastically different styles to kind of get, give you a sense of the personality of, people down the chain of command Mm -hmm. in the in the army well also it gives you the sense of because it's taking place in france supposedly right yeah or it's the french army uh it also gives you a sense of this could happen to anyone anywhere at any time yeah i mean nobody's trying to do anything remotely like a french accent and then later when the chaplain comes in to comfort the the man of like he could not be more brooklyn yeah exactly oh yeah totally (laughs) he's like Take comfort, my son. Yeah, that was weird too. <laughs> yeah. 
so yeah, I mean, it, it, there is, it does kind of create a, uh, a timelessness to it. And this was banned in France for 20 years. What? It was also, <laughs> <laughs> it was also not shown in Germany because Germany was trying to maintain good relations with France only a dozen years after World War II and they didn't want to get in trouble for exhibiting it there. Oh, how funny. And it was banned in Spain as well, which was controlled by the fascist government of General Franco, mm. uh, probably because it kind of, uh, exposes, uh, kind of the workings of, uh, of fascism within a, uh, a military. <laughs> operation right you know? so you know this movie was very controversial and did not make money in america mm. <laughs> either uh because i think uh kubrick took points on this and did not make anything <laughs> i think they had a million dollar budget a third of which went to kirk douglas oh wow uh but it's hard not to watch it in 2017 and not think that the general uh uh miro played by george mccready is very trumpian mm. Because when he gets called out on a lie, he just kind of doubles down yeah. on it. Uh, everything is a personal affront to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he orders on his own. It's all about his ego. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the very first scene is General Brulard telling him to take the antil, and he's like, "We well, can't take it. It's impossible." And he's like, "You know, we've been thinking about you for a promotion." He's like, "We could absolutely take it." Right. <laughs> Right. Uh, my men are brave and we can do it. So, uh, it's all about whatever serves this guy's fucking ego. And so watching it, uh, now, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard to separate from what's going on, uh, with our government. And what's then, going on? Well, uh, just kidding. JK, I don't want to talk about it. I'll, I'll keep you in, <laughs> I'll keep you informed when we, uh, when we stop recording. I'll bring it up to speed. Let's call my grandma and ask her what's going on. <laughs> Get a totally different story. <laughs> Does she listen to this podcast? Do you nope. think? Okay. <laughs> I'm sure she doesn't. She is a nightmare on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd probably rather talk about the keepers today. Yeah. Whew. That was a tough one. You made it through The Keepers this week. Oh, man. You guys listening, if you haven't watched The Keepers. It's a seven-part documentary that just premiered on Netflix a couple days ago. Uh, Carla being a true crime addict in the, <laughs> in the first place, I knew it was up her alley, but then you tie it into the Catholic Church. And it's just like, I'm in. And women's issues, <laughs> you know? Uh, I'm four episodes into the the seven episode run, and it's fantastic and uh, and and devastating. So Craig decided we were about to go to bed, and we were like, "Oh, let's watch one thing at like ten o'clock at night." And he put on the keepers, <laughs> and then I, w- I was up until three in the morning, <laughs> and Craig went to bed at midnight. I watched one episode, and I was like, "Okay, cool." I like because I I can do, I don't binge in general. Of like, yeah. okay, cool. That's one episode. I like that. I'll tune in and later. I binge easily. Yeah. And I was up until three in the morning and then I had to work all day the next day and I was exhausted, but I was like, you guys, you have to watch the keepers. I was telling everyone. And then I finished it the next night. It's great. But it's also similar to how our institutions fail us. Yes. Uh, the church and the police. Yes. And, uh, the, our court system in. Well, specifically with the church, the cover up is so gross. <clears throat> uh, anyways, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Thematically, it does tie into Paths of Glory. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's the thing uh, that enrages me about abuses of power 
is ass covering and buck pushing. Right. Of just blaming somebody under you. And, and that's kind of how the military chain of command is, is set up. And, uh, I think this movie shows really well how that works. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's get into some Carla's quotes. Let's do it. We already have a theme song. Oh, right. <laughs> She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's quotes. Couple pre-movie quotes. <laughs> pre-movie. <laughs> As we were settling into the movie, Carla said, on movie watching days, I feel like I don't have to go to the gym. <laughs> Because it's hard work. It's too much of a mental workout to watch the movie. <laughs> and so you can't tax your body physically. Is it's that what's that going I, on? I guess it's not that I can't do it. It's that I feel like I hate the gym. And so if I'm already doing something I don't want to do, I'm Wait, not going to make myself do a second thing what I don't do. What do you mean do? something you don't want to do? <laughs> but that's good for me. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> or for my marriage. Uh, Carla, I want you to state on record for our listeners that you love doing this podcast. I do. <laughs> I do. But it feels like homework. It feels like going to the gym. Yeah. You well, have to psych myself up for it. I just knew that this movie was not going to no. be up your alley. When I, I posted last week that this was the next uh, episode, there were a couple comments on the Facebook page. Uh, from a couple of friends of ours that were like, great movie of like, awesome choice. Really? And it, and it was Rick Kent and Brian O'Connell. And I'm oh, like, God. Uh, <laughs> who are both kind of guys, guys, yeah. you know? And I just knew of like, oh, if those guys are really into this movie, it's not going to be Carlos' <laughs> movie at all. <laughs> uh, and then. Another thing, uh, this may have been during the opening titles, but Carlos said, is this a comedy? <laughs> And totally it was, kidding. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I felt like the, a light went on your eyes with just like just a glimmer of hopefulness of like no. maybe this will be a comedy. It was so the opening credits were so sad <laughs> that I was making a joke. Oh, okay. I was joking. I I do that. So sometimes these Carla's quotes are you're in on you're in on the joke. Yeah, I'm making fun of it. <laughs> the subtext is fun making you know there might be another anti-war kubrick comedy that we will get to watch later so the shining <laughs> uh you'll be able to last your laugh last your aff off <laughs> last your aff off uh there was one line in this movie that made you laugh yourself silly really do you remember what it was no, not okay at all. well we'll get to that later uh, which I didn't think there were a lot of good laugh lines in Paths of Glory, but... Uh, I don't remember at all. <laughs> <sighs> I have a lunch date. Oh, really? Where are you going for lunch? Well, actually, it's more of a hangout date around lunchtime. Okay. Well, good for With you. my friend Julie. We're going to Goodwill. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And getting a, a gourmet meal? No, we're not going to eat. Our our Goodwill does have a cafeteria. It though. does. Our Goodwill is the fancy Goodwill that okay. has uh, a food court. Okay. So uh, where are you going to eat? Goodwill. <laughs> <laughs> you made it sound like you weren't going to eat at Goodwill. No, I don't know. We're just hanging out around lunchtime. That's what I meant by lunch. Okay. Date. That's a lunch date. Yeah. <laughs> a lunchtime <laughs> date. Okay, well, we'll try to rush through this, Carla, to get you to your precious <laughs> Goodwill cafeteria food. 
during that opening scene between uh, Adolf Manju and Jordan McCready, you said, are they going to talk like this the whole time? All I hear is blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it was so hard to follow. <laughs> it was like blah, 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 blah. And this might have been the earliest how much longer in Craigslist history, three and a half minutes in. Three and a half minutes of this movie, Carla, is an hour 26. <laughs> I remember asking it because I just knew. I was like, this is not three and be a, a half good movie minutes for in. me. <sighs> and, then, and also at the beginning of the movie, there's a title card. France, 1916. There's also a whole prologue that tells you about <laughs> the the war between the French and the Germans. I don't think I read any of it. And then at one point, uh, one of the characters references being in France, and Carla said, they're in France? <laughs> but they sound like they're from the Upper East Side. And they sound like they're from a Shakespeare play. <laughs> How- uh, can I be honest? I yeah. remember watching this movie yesterday, and... I, my eyes were on the screen, but I just was daydreaming. <laughs> and I would catch myself and be like, oh, you have to pay attention. And then like a minute later, I'd be thinking about ice skating or something again. Why ice skating? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like going. <laughs> it's Los Angeles in May. There's I know. No, no I can't help the things that I feel. Okay. Uh, anyways, my point is this. this was like... This was the movie where I was like, "Uh oh, I'm gonna have to focus really hard," and then I didn't. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to deep focus. Yes. Just like Stanley Kubrick's camera lens. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> I listen. How about the tracking shots in this movie, Carla? They were cool. Through the trenches. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's kind of these long shots of following the general down the uh, down the trenches. The trenches, I guess, are wider than they would really have been. Uh, to accommodate the camera movement. I appreciate the photography and the shots and stuff. Like, I can totally say this is a well-made film, but I can also say with equal certainty that it, it's the content is not for me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there are levels to how you appreciate a movie. <laughs> uh, General Miro kind of goes down the, uh, the line with the troops, uh, and he has, uh, the same series of questions every time, which is like, how are you doing today, soldier? Ready to kill more Germans? <laughs> he says that twice. And then uh, before the third one, Carla's like, who's going to say no? <laughs> <laughs> the next guy. The next guy is a Number fact. Number three. He, he's shell-shocked. Rule of threes. And uh, here's the other thing about those opening rule of threes. Who were the three uh, people that he talked to? Oh yeah, they're the, the three the three prisoners who get executed so later. Uh, actually, two of them, and then one other guy who's standing there while he talks to the shell shocked guy. Yeah, uh, but that's a little interesting foreshadowing that these are just kind of three random soldiers chosen out of the company to die. Um, yeah, there is a shirtless Kirk Douglas, and I said va va <laughs> No, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I he said ha- ooh wee. I don't think he affected you the way that Bruce Willis did in no. Pulp Fiction. Uh, Kirk Douglas is one of those guys who has a wide rib cage. <laughs> Do you know what? No. <laughs> like, okay, so in old black and white photos of like uh, boxers, um, they have like small waists and a giant rib cage. Uh, okay, that's what Kirk Douglas looks like. Yeah, Bruce Willis is just 
mus- muscly. Sure. Now, Bruce Willis, of course, played a, a boxer named Butch in uh, Pulp Fiction. Kirk Douglas became famous for a movie, Champion, where he played a boxer in 1949 and was shirtless for a lot of that movie, and that was his first Oscar nomination. Did he win? He did not win. Uh, uh, I don't think he ever won. As a he got an fact. honorary. He did. He got an honorary. I remember. Yeah. Uh, Kirk Douglas, of course, still with us at age 100. That's amazing. Unbelievable. And he had a stroke like 20 years ago, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. He's incredible. He's hanging in there. Uh, and actually in looking at the actors in the movie, I was amazed by how many are still alive. Really? Um, Joe Turkle, who plays Arnaud, one of the three condemned men is still around. He's in his relation to studs. I don't think he's related to studs Turkle. No. Uh, but he's, he's around 90. And then the guy who plays the prosecuting attorney at the court martial, also, also the guy who played Oscar Goldman on Six Million Dollar Man and the Bionic Woman in the 70s. Uh, that actor's name is Richard Anderson and he's still alive and in his 90s. Wow. So this is a movie 60 years ago. When did Stanley Kubrick die? Right after Eyes Wide Shut, right? It might have even, did he die before the movie came out? Even? Did he? Did he die? Did he? <laughs> is do, I don't know. <laughs> the password is Fidelio. I feel like he died after, but I could be wrong. He, I think he died in 99. Whether it was right before Eyes Wide Shut or right after Eyes Wide Shut, I'm not sure. Hmm. Do you remember him doing a lot of publicity for Eyes Wide Shut? No. <laughs> I don't even know what he looks like. Uh, looks like a crazy guy with a beard and glasses. It feels right. <laughs> Uh, boy, not a lot of Carla's quotes for this because she really was focused <laughs> on her <laughs> ice skating, on her ice skating and her email answering. Uh, Kirk Douglas does, uh, confront, uh, General Miro with one of my favorite quotes. Patriotism is the last refuge of the scoundrel, mm. which, uh, he's not happy with. Uh, yeah, you just should write that on a postcard and send it to the White House. <laughs> I think I'll do that so I can get on all sorts of lists <laughs> uh, for the uh, the NSA. Um, yeah, just beautiful, stark black and white photography and just the contrast again between the palatial mansion. Palatial. The palatial mansion and the ugly trenches. I mean, I know it's a word, but it just sounded funny when you said it. <laughs> Um, oh man, you're really having to scrape the bottom of the barrel for these. Huh? <laughs> I'm having a hard time finding quotes in general. Uh, there's a, a, another great long scene between two privates and there's a would you rather in this movie. Mm. Do you remember the would you rather? Would you rather? Nope. <laughs> Fuck, Mary kill? That kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, they play fuck, Mary kill. <laughs> okay. Uh, Eisenhower? Uh, Washington? <laughs> Lincoln. Yeah, this is 1916, so probably, <laughs> probably not Eisenhower, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, there, there's a conversation, would you rather be killed by a machine gun or a bayonet? Really? Do you not remember this scene? <laughs> nope. Sorry. <laughs> well, it's, it's two privates and they're in their bunk and they're whispering. 
And I think uh, you did not care for the whispering because at one point you were like, but I think you were not listening to the content of that scene at all. No, you're probably right. So it's with Joe Turkle is Arnaud, who's kind of the philosophical atheist private and so his whole thing is like you'd rather be killed by a machine gun rather than a bayonet uh because you die right away Mm. so what you're afraid of is not death you're afraid of pain Mm. great scene right okay (laughs) then you said i'm so bored (laughs) (laughs) you stretched bored out to three syllables (laughs) <laughs> uh, pretty brutal and visceral by 1957 standards, uh, the battle scene. And then you said, I think appreciating the camera work, you said, whoa, saving Private Ryan totally ripped off the camera shaky shake. <laughs> Janusz Kaminski. <laughs> I bet this inspired that those shots. I'm serious. I bet this movie did. Oh, sorry. I thought you sneezed. Janusz Kaminski. <laughs> Janusz Kaminski. <laughs> God. <laughs> Uh, there's a great line from George McCready. If those little sweethearts won't face German bullets, they'll face French ones. <laughs> little sweethearts. Those little sweethearts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. General Moreau is so like overwrought. He's practically hyperventilating <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. Uh, another one of the, uh, condemned men played by the great weirdo character actor, Timothy Carey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's the tall guy, mm-hmm. uh, who's, and he's so unusual for a movie at the time of like, he does seem a little more like a character actor from he's the got 70s. a Buscemi thing going on. He does have a Buscemi, a Buscemi thing going on. Are you sure it's Buscemi? <laughs> I think it's Buscemi. But, uh, this guy was fired from this movie, apparently, and he's still in a lot of it. Uh, but I guess he was so methody that he was bugging Kirk Douglas oh, wow. and Kubrick and all those things, uh, right before his execution was like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. That apparently he improvised and Kubrick left in. Uh, but he was in the, the wild one, which was an early Brando movie where he did this thing where he sprayed a beer on Marlon Brando that was not planned. Uh-oh. Uh, and then, but then Brando cast him in One-Eyed Jacks, which was the only movie that Brando directed. He was in East of Eden opposite James Dean. Uh, and, oh, I guess another thing he did while they were shooting, I and mean, he was in The Killing, uh, Kubrick's previous movie as one of the crooks, and he's really good in that too. But during the shooting of Paths of Glory, he faked his own kidnapping to get publicity or something. What? Yeah. So read up on Timothy Carey and his crazy career. Uh, and then directors kept wanting to work with him, uh, because he was just known to be just kind of a loose cannon and a great Shia. actor. He's, he was, he the, was the Shia the of his Shia. time. <laughs> uh, but Coppola wanted to cast him in The Godfather. Uh, and he turned it down. As uh, the Godfather? No, I don't think he was going to play the Godfather. He was probably going to play, I don't know, one of the guys in the, in the mafia. Or maybe he's going to play the part that Sterling Hayden played. of the, Sterling uh, Cooper? 
Not Sterling Cooper, I'm sorry. Carly. <laughs> so many names. <laughs> Sterling Hayden, the corrupt cop, and the Godfather says, How's the Italian food at this restaurant? It's been so long since I've seen the Godfather. Uh, and then he's also uh, General Jack T. Ripper in Dr. Strangelove. And you probably know him best as the boss in 9 to 5 who shows up at the end. He's Ooh. the He's the the old guy with the beard. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a famous character actor. Cool. Uh, I'm I'm just finding other things other than Paths of Glory to talk about to try to get your interest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but I I really do like the uh, the three actors who play the uh, the prisoners. Ralph Meeker is the guy who plays Paris, and uh, he's the lead in that movie Kiss Me Deadly that I was talking about that influenced Pulp Fiction with the glowing briefcase. He plays mm. Detective Mike Hammer in that, and he's quite good as well. And you should write a book. <laughs> what would it be called? Uh, Craig's History of Film. <laughs> well, all, what I know is factoids. <laughs> you know, you can't sustain a book on factoids, but all I right. know, I know a lot of shit. As I've said, I have the IMDb uploaded in my brain. Um, and Joe Turkle, uh, one of only two actors that worked with Kubrick three times. Whoa. Uh, because he plays the bartender in The Shining. Cool. There's a leaf blower outside. <laughs> right when you said that. Uh, <laughs> what does that have to do with The Shining? I don't know. It was just creepy. It uh, sounds like a chainsaw. Also has nothing to do with The Shining. And my favorite Tim Carey line in in the uh, movie is as they're getting ready for their execution, uh, Corporal Paris is like, my wife and children will never see me again. There's this cockroach over there, and he's going to last longer than me. And Tim Carey smushes it and he goes, now you got the edge on him. Uh. <laughs> uh, on the prisoners, Carla said, these guys talk normal. <laughs> these guys talk normal. These guys talk normal. Hey, and then the priest comes in. He's like, hey, guys, it's going to be okay. <laughs> We did an improv show last night, you guys, uh, at Second City, where we played a short form game where everybody had to do Christopher Walken impressions. Walken like Walken? Yeah. Our friend Neil from Dublin is in town. And when I asked him what short form game he wanted to play, that was the one yeah. that he brought from Dublin. <laughs> well, the the Irish version, I guess, is Walken and hawking yeah so you can do scripts walking or stephen hawking yeah those are your two options but i said let's just do walking because <laughs> la is very sensitive la is very sensitive <laughs> we don't want to feel like we're, we're making fun of people who use voice synthesizers right. to talk right or people who are in wheelchairs but we can make fun of christopher walking and i wanted to walk on to that scene i so wanted you bad. to as well because i know you do a good impersonation <laughs> is it impression or impersonation impression uh Yes. As an, an impersonator. Imperson those is are the people who look like and dress like. Yes. You know, so if like, oh, he's a Michael Jackson impersonator. And like do birthday parties. They do birthday parties. Impressions are more, you know, that's more of a, a comedy thing. A bit. It's a bit, you know, and it's just like the caricature artist who draws your ears really big. And it's like, my ears aren't that big. It's like, well, they're kind of big. <laughs> you know? So you pick some aspect of it, you know, it's less for accuracy than like capturing the emotional truth of who the person is. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> where were we? Christopher Walken. Okay. So then after Carla was quiet for about an hour, 
then uh, doing her emails, then a bunch of quotes toward the end. This is such a depressing movie, Craig. <laughs> this is the worst. <laughs> These people are insane. I guess that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the line that made you laugh yourself silly. Uh, during the final scene with Kirk Douglas and Adolf Manjou, he calls him my boy. And Kirk Douglas is like, I'm not your boy. <laughs> and, and, and then Adolf Manju says, well, I certainly didn't mean to imply any biological relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and Carla loved that line. <laughs> I don't think that anybody thought that he meant to imply a biological relationship. <laughs> I think it's uh, a... Uh, when you say my boy to somebody, isn't it more just of like a status thing where you're saying Absolutely. you're a child and I'm the one with the power in this situation? Yes, <laughs> but exactly. he's like, I didn't mean to imply any biological relationship. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Terrible line. <laughs> oh, so you thought it was a bad line rather yeah. than an intentional laugh line. Okay. Well, was it an intentional laugh line? I don't know. It felt like... Yeah, maybe it was. I, I laughed. It, Who cares? I laughed. It, sure. I don't have to know why I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the famous final sequence that Carla apparently totally missed <laughs> is there's a young uh, girl. Oh, no, I did. I did see that. A German prisoner. Yeah. Yeah. Who's brought into this nightclub where all these soldiers uh, and they're just uh, they look rabid. And crazy and like that they might, you know, attack this girl and they're kind of hooting and catcalling at her. And then she kind of starts to sing quietly this German folk song and then gradually the men all kind of shut up and listen to the, uh, the song and they're kind of taken back to, to their homes or they're thinking about their, their wives, their mothers, their sisters. Yeah. Um, and it's really this beautiful and. But then they all start to sing too. Then they start to hum along. Yeah. With her. I, I, I saw that part. Yeah. And. I saw the end of it. And these, these are men that are almost certainly going to their deaths. And so you see Kirk Douglas outside. He's kind of watching them outside the cafe and his second in command comes up with like, sir, it's time to go back to the front. He's like, yeah, give the men a few more minutes. <laughs> They they still might get something out of this lady. <laughs> no, That's not it. what he says. I know. Uh, and it's a really kind of moving ending. Yeah. It's sad. Carly, you want to give this movie a letter grade? <laughs> I'm actually going to opt out of the grading system for this one. Really? You feel oh, like you... I'm sure it's a great movie. Like I, like I said, I could appreciate all of the elements... And I just don't, I just, I don't want to watch movies like this. <laughs> so, so it doesn't really matter what I think of it. It's not a movie for me. Uh, but I can see that it has a theme and that it has a message and I understand that and it's powerful and it's well done and blah, blah, blah. Like all those things, it makes sense why it would be on somebody's top 100 movie list. It's just not for me. So for me to be like a D is, I don't know. I feel like that's not for disrespectful. Exactly. It feels like that would be unfair. So I'm going to opt out of grading this one and just say this wasn't for me. 
but I get why you like it so much, why you appreciate it so much. Okay. Yeah. It's staying on the list. Yeah. Maybe moving down a, a little bit, but definitely still on Craigslist. Uh, I've come back to it many times over the years and it's still, uh, gets still, you mad. still gets me mad Which and indignant and, you know, like Spotlight, really cool. Spotlight was that movie for you. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, a movie about a, a social issue, um, that was important to you and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and it gets you kind of righteously <laughs> indignant, yeah. uh, about something. Yeah. When I saw, when I watched Spotlight in the theater for the first time, like I wanted to punch somebody. Remember, and, I kept saying that. <laughs> yeah. And you punched me. And I did. Not hard, though. But I kept turning to Craig being like, I want to punch someone so badly. I'm so mad. Uh, well, you want, do you want to improvise a scene from Paths of Glory? There's no ladies. <laughs> I can play a man. You can play a man? I know how to. It's 2017. I don't... You don't need to tell me that. I know. <laughs> what are we going to do? Um, Let's pick the saddest part. <laughs> <laughs> JK Simmons. Uh, well, I, I'd like to be Colonel Dax. That's Kirk Douglas. That's right? Kirk Douglas. Yeah. I'll be the other man. Okay. Are the you general? Are you Adolf Manjou or are you George McCready? What? George, George <laughs> McCready is the guy with the. He has a giant scar on the side of his yes, face. Yes, that's who too. I am. Is that who you are? Yeah. Okay. Wait, what are we doing? What scene? Uh, this is when you you're telling me to take the anthill. Okay. Listen, Colonel, you must do this for us. For France, you must climb that hill. And when you get to the top of it, you must stick our flag into its soil and say, this is France's. Are we actually from France, General? We, oui, monsieur. I just never hear any of us speaking French. It's strange. Uh, Colonel, when speaking to, uh, a higher officer, please put on your shirt. Well, I, I just want you to see how wide my chest is. Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Where is this coming from, General? Look, I can't, uh, to run the risk of, uh, taking the anthill and putting my men's lives in danger? General? Have you have you fallen asleep? What? What? <laughs> what? General, uh, look, we're gonna have fifty percent casualties on this mission. Okay, uh, we can't do it. It's impossible to take the anthill. I feel like you are disobeying me. You're being a very sassy, mouth-faced man, <laughs> and I need you to listen to me. Are you saying I'm mouthing you? I'm saying you're being a very sassy, mouth-faced man. I'm a mouth-faced man. Yes. Okay, aren't we all mouth-faced men? Are you talking about my scar right now? No, I, w- I would never, scar General. scar on my mouth. Uh, well, patriotism is the last refuge of the scoundrel. You should write that on a postcard <laughs> and send it home. To the White House. <laughs> See, yay! Good job, Carla. Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> you sounded just like General Miro. What? Uh, is it time for a comedy, Carla? Please. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that was number 
66 I on Craigslist. I hope this is one that I like for real. Coming up next, we have number 65 on Craigslist. This is a comedy. <gasps> And we're going to have our friend Ben Blacker on the podcast oh, I know to talk about this, this movie. And this is the only movie out of anything on the list that he will deign to talk about. And this is a 1982 film directed by Sidney Pollock. And oh, I jumped the shark. That's not the right <laughs> phrase. <laughs> you jumped the gun. Well, this jumped podcast the jumped the shark a while ago. Uh, but it stars Dustin Hoffman, Terry Garr, Jessica Lange, Bill Murray. And Sidney Pollack. And Sidney Pollack as Sidney Pollack. No, I, I don't think he's Sidney Pollack. Uh, but it has that famous Dustin Hoffman line. Why? Uh <laughs> I think we covered it in Lenny that, that Dustin Hoffman always says, why? why? Never in a movie. Uh, but this movie is Tootsie. I love it's a, Tootsie. It's a classic comedy. I like Dustin Hoffman. You have some good ones from Dustin Hoffman. I'm a big Dusty fan. So we also know Graduates on the list because you spoiled that a few minutes ago. Did I? Here in this podcast. What did I say? That it was uh, we were going to see. I think I just said that Calder Willingham wrote The Graduate. Oh. Yes, The Graduate is on the list, Carla. <laughs> I think you said that. Did I? Okay. Yeah. I'm sure. But is I did. Rain Man on your list? Rain Man is not on the list. It used to be on the list. I like that movie too. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited about Tootsie. This is going to be a good one. This is one that I will sit and watch and eat popcorn. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'll be happy about it. Great. So join us next week as we discuss Tootsie with Ben Blacker. Want to thank a few people as always. Jonathan Dinerstein for doing the Craigslist Yay. theme song and the Carlos Quotes theme song. Thanks, Jonathan. Aria Zizian for doing our logo, the cute little sketch of me and Carla. Thanks, Ari. <laughs> and uh, Ken Plume who remasters the sound for this podcast and does a great job. Thanks, Ken. You've made us so much more legitimate. And thanks to <laughs> all of Craig's listeners. Please tweet at us at Craigslist PCAST on Twitter. Uh, let's get some talk going in the Facebook group as well. There's not a lot going on. I think if you search Craigslist on Facebook, uh, we will turn up as a result. Look for that we again. We get many, many posts about furniture on that <laughs> yes, Facebook yes, group. Yes, we do. I stopped responding to the wrong uh, Craigslist messages. Where uh, Well, people just send me a picture of, of furniture. furniture. It, it like, won't even be of like, hey, can you post this like or whatever? Like a stationary bike. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, $50. I write back and I say, we're a comedy podcast that talks about movies. Sorry. I think you have the wrong Craigslist. But then you stopped. But then I stopped doing yeah. that. I'm like, they'll figure it out. They do. They need to try harder. <laughs> <laughs> Just like I do. I'm going to try harder from now on, Craig. Thank you, Carla. So I love uh, you. I love you too. And, uh, Craigslist is <laughs> so dismissive. We, <laughs> Craigslist is we, we love you too. And if you listened to the last 50 minutes thinking this was somehow related to Craigslist, the, uh, the, the website where you can post things to sell, we're terribly sorry. Hope you learned a little something about Stanley Kubrick and Paths of Glory. <laughs> the list is an absolute good. The list is life.